Hello and welcome to the Korean Beauty Show podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Lee, K-beauty expert, founder of Style Story, where you can shop, learn and explore the world of Korean skincare and the founder of K-beauty brand Jelly Co. Welcome back to our second episode for the week. And as promised, what I wanted to do on today's episode, which is our deep dive episode, is go through what is going on and everything that I saw in my trip to Dubai. So a little bit of context and a little bit of background. What was I doing there in the first place? Why did I go to Dubai? A great question. So what I really wanted to check out, because Dubai actually hosts one of the largest beauty expos uh, in the world, not just in the region, and it's towards the end of the year. Uh, And even though I'm familiar with a lot of the Korean beauty expos, I've been to pretty much all of the major ones and go to most of them nearly every year. I've been to some beauty expos in Australia, but there is a pretty big difference in uh, quality among the expos. And also it really, really does pay to have a little bit of an understanding of the local market before you go uh, and exhibit at one of these expos just to make sure that you know what you're getting into. Now, obviously, because the expo is not until the end of the year, it's not like I could go and check out what the expo looks like. Towards the end of last year, I just didn't have the time. So what I wanted to do is it's still around six months out until the expo. I wanted to go and check out the market over there. I've been speaking to a lot more people that you know work in the Middle East, that have a lot of experience in the Middle East. Uh, I was catching up with someone very recently about the uh, position and situation in Saudi Arabia, which is definitely not um, a country or a market that I'm familiar with at all, but just to understand a little bit more about what's going on over there. So this was a little bit of uh, a recon mission just to go and check it out, go and see what what is actually, you know, the vibe on the ground there. I've never been to Dubai. I have friends that have lived there for a very long time. So I thought, let's just wrap it up in one trip. I can catch up with some people I know uh, and I can go and check everything out ahead of actually attending this expo at the end of the year. So that is it in a nutshell. Like I mentioned on Tuesday's episode, I really hadn't done anything more than transit through Dubai. So I had no real sort of... uh, I guess, like comprehension or picture in my mind of what it would be like. I was kind of picturing a really big desert with maybe a couple of malls and stuff like that. And I was really blown away by how different it was than I thought. Now, obviously, yes, there is desert there and there are also quite a lot of malls, but there is so much more going on than you would assume. And I feel like the Middle East in general It's not a part of the world that gets particularly favorable media coverage Uh, in Western countries. You know, you tend to hear about all of the the doom and gloom stories. Obviously, it it is a very, you know, war-torn part of the world in places. There's conflict and things like that going on. In Australia, I know we tend to get the reports of, you know, people being arrested for kissing on the beach or whatnot like that. Uh, And so I really had no idea what to expect. Someone told me, oh, you know, you better make sure you wear sort of long sleeves and everything. So I just went prepared for all eventualities. I took so many skincare products over there because I had no idea how my skin would react to weather that hot, uh, just because it's not something I've ever experienced before. And even though it was only May, it was ridiculously hot, like too hot to walk outside hot. 
Uh, but the thing about Dubai is that it's kind of set up for that. They know that you're not going to be walking around for, you know, parts of the year. So the whole country is basically set up to facilitate that. There's aircon everywhere. Uh, there's malls and indoor areas everywhere. So that's kind of how, how uh, it was set up. So what did I do? Obviously, I had to go out and check all of the different malls, which I dutifully did. I went out and checked out a lot of the big ones. Uh, I had a, a wander through Dubai Mall, Nikhil Mall, the Mall of the Emirates, um, uh, Dubai Hills Mall. I don't know if I already said that one. The Dubai Mall was the really, really big one. That's the one attached to the Burj Khalifa, uh, which is, I think, still maybe the tallest building in the world, uh, which I also did uh, go and check out. Uh, and <laughs> the Koreans were also involved in that, actually. I believe it was uh, the team at Hyundai that was uh, responsible. I'm pretty sure that's right. I hope I got that right. Anyway, a lot of Koreans were involved in actually building the Burj. Uh, so that was really interesting too to, to check that out. So in a nutshell, what did I see? I think as it currently stands, apart from a handful of online beauty stores and a smaller selection of K-beauty in offline stores, it seems to me that K-beauty is still very much in its infancy in Dubai at least. Uh, I assume that the situation is similar in the rest of the UAE. So if you're not familiar with the UAE, it's basically uh, a bunch of different countries that make up the United Arab Emirates. So Dubai is maybe one of the more famous ones. Uh, another one you might have heard of is Abu Dhabi, but there are uh, there are many others as well. So I assume that the situation, uh, like potentially Dubai has more on offer than the other Emirates, but I only got to visit Dubai because that was kind of big enough just for the time that I had there. I was only there for 10 days. So the face shop actually has quite an impressive offline presence, both in Dubai and in some of the other um, um, parts of the UAE. So the face shop is actually a subsidiary of LG Household and Healthcare. And honestly, it is rarely talked about in Korea these days. Uh, I think once upon a time, it was popular locally, but I've noticed that it is probably more trending in overseas and particularly offline overseas. They seem to have set up offline stores in a couple of the more probably minor markets and they seem to do okay. Uh, but it's just not a brand you hear talked a lot about. I think one of their most recognizable lines is probably the Dr. Bermuda collection, which I'm not sure if they actually run that under the face shop line or if it's just another one of LG Household and Healthcare's one. I'm I'm not quite sure. That is, I think, the the probably um, representative um, collection. But myself, honestly, I have not tried anything from them in years. Uh, and I think that's probably just a little bit of a case of what I did try from them back in the day didn't really impress me that much. Uh, and then nothing that they have released since then has really captured my interest or attention in any great way. There are so many other brands and products on the market that even if you wanted to, you couldn't get through all the ones that you actually want to try. So it just doesn't leave you with time to waste on products that don't even interest you. That's my honest um, opinion. I also buy all of my own beauty products myself. Like I don't, obviously, I get to try a whole bunch of stuff at trade shows and expos and whatnot. But if, if you're talking about me going out to like buy things, I'm using my own money. So I'm not going to waste it on stuff that I'm not interested in, basically, in a nutshell. So that kind of surprised me in terms of other um, 
retailers offline that seem to be stocking Korean beauty products. Obviously, Sephora is massive in the UAE. It was like a zoo when I went in there. Like literally people like falling over themselves to, you know, get their hands on products. The line to buy products was so long and they had like multiple different counters over uh, like, you know, o- o- over servicing all these different people. It was really, it was an absolute zoo. So the uh, K-Beauty products that I saw in Sephora, Glow Recipe, uh, obviously, K- I think they call themselves K-Beauty inspired, but for all intents and purposes, it's made in Korea. The fa- two founders are Korean-American. Uh, Laneige was there and they have uh, a slightly different selection of products than what is available in Korea. Uh, For example, they have some limited edition versions of the sleeping mask that aren't available in the local market. And then, of course, the other big brand, the the other big K-beauty brand that's stocked at Sephora pretty globally, I think, is Dr. Jart. So they were there as well. Now, they also had Watson's, which I love Watson's. That's one of my favorite when I'm shopping in Asia. I love to go out and check what's trending. And they had a very big selection of K-beauty products, but not necessarily a whole lot from each individual brand. Uh, So some of the brands that I saw in there, they had SNP, some by me, CosRx. They had Hala Labo, which is actually Japanese, but still Asian beauty. Goodall, they had a bib, um, they had Mediheal, AHC, uh, and Romand. They had a lot of lip tints that I noticed in there. In there. So Watson's also did have some K-Beauty products as well. Then there were also ad hoc stores that we noticed that had just like a couple of uh, bits and bobs here and there. So that is kind of the lay of the land. There were some, again, random offline stores that were selling K-Beauty as well, but very much still a bit of a hodgepodge, probably similar to Australia, although I know Australia, for example, has Innisfree offline. Um, So I would say kind of similar to that. So that then led me to sort of taking a look into the market more generally and sort of seeing what is actually going on there. So the beauty market in the Middle East, which is bigger than just Dubai, was valued at $10.2 billion in 2019, and that's expected to reach $13.9 billion by 2027. So we are creeping towards that, uh, which is actually a rate of growth of about 9% from 2021 to 2027, and that is according to Allied Market Research. So customers and consumers from the Middle East have one of the largest per capita expenditures on beauty worldwide, and that does not surprise me at all. Uh, I really couldn't believe how crazy people were going for cosmetics. They were in there trying everything. I feel like there were testers all over the place. There were just things flying around, like it was very crazy. And you know, obviously just walking around, seeing how much focus people put into their makeup. People were, they were like, some some of the people were like a work of art, just walking around. Like the face was almost like a painted doll, really big lashes, big lips, uh, big contour. And I guess one of the reasons is that a lot of people, because they're dressing conservatively uh, based on their religion, they will be wearing a headscarf. And if you're wearing a headscarf and maybe a, a burqa or something like that, there's not actually a whole lot that you can show 
off in terms of like your clothes or what you're wearing, but you can show off your face. So it makes sense to me that a lot of people put a lot more effort into their face, basically, you know, the makeup, maybe the cosmetics they're using, all of those things. I definitely noticed that. Uh, far more makeup, I would say, than I've seen in Korea. Certainly in recent years with all of the pandemic and everything, I feel like everyone's really pared it back here. Uh, people are starting to, you know, experiment again and whatnot. But in general, I think people are using a lot less makeup than they have in previous years, um, visibly anyway. You know, I'm sure they're still putting on lots of different things, but they're not going for a really overstated look. Everyone's trying to keep it sort of pretty natural looking at the moment. Uh, so that was one big thing that I definitely did notice. Now, the other feature of certainly Dubai and probably also the UAE is that there are a lot of people from extremely diverse cultures there. In fact, locals account for only 12% of the market. Uh, so there's a lot of diversity. There's a lot of skin um, types. There's a lot of different shades of people that are shopping in one place. Uh, and there's also an extreme diversity in their spending habits as well. So everything ranging from absolute luxury, top of the, you know, the the chain sort of thing in terms of the, what people can afford to spend. Like I can't tell you how many little kids I saw running around in, you know, full Gucci, Fendi, all of the brands. People were like driving around Dior, Prams and whatnot, but all the way down to the really chill end of the market. Like there were just as many people walking around in, uh, you know, sandals. We call them thongs in Australia. I know I think other people call them flip-flops, but they're there were plenty of people walking around in stuff like that, just, you know, really casual. So really a lot of diversity in terms of who is shopping there, the cultures that they come from, their skin colors uh, and their spending habits as well, which makes it a really interesting market. And the other big thing that I noticed is how fragmented the retail channels are. Uh, and what I mean by that is a real diversity of the kind of shops even that you will find in one mall. So, for example, the Dubai mall that I visited, they had everything from like Chloe, Valentino, um, you know, all of the really big brand names, all the way down to like discount chains like Daiso in the same mall. Uh, and that's just not the way that a lot of malls are set out, particularly not in Asia uh, and in Korea in particular. Uh, and I also noticed that there seems to be room in the market for independent uh, stores and whatnot, which again, using Korea as an example, if you go to one Korean mall, you've pretty much seen them all. The tenants are often the same. Uh, the restaurants are even the same. And it can make shopping in Korean malls, once you've been here as long as I have, a little bit boring. Uh, there's no adventure. You know pretty much what you're going to find. Even if you go down to the food section, the food hall, it's all pretty much similar. Like they might have some different ones, but the anchor tenants tend to be the same, whereas it did not seem that that was the case. Uh, certainly in the malls that I visited, there was a really wide selection of different um, 
retailers, I think you could say. The other thing that uh, I have read, and this was according to Cosmetics Design Asia, is that UAE is also quite different from other parts of the Middle East. So for example, Saudi Arabia is actually quite homogenous. So you can see that there will be very big differences then in buying habits uh, as well between the, the various regions in the Middle East. So in terms of where Korean beauty sort of sits within that, I was really interested to know. So the Korean Institute of Halal Industry has uh, indicated that exports to OIC countries, which is basically the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, grew by 14% in 2020. Uh, It's sitting or was sitting there at 308 million. Then it grew by 28% in 2021 to 395 million. So a a really big sizable increase of 42% in just two years. So in 2020, imports of Korean cosmetics to the UAE and Saudi grew 62%. 7% and 90.1% respectively from 2019. So this is definitely a growing area of the market. Uh, and Dubai is a leading driver of K-Beauty's growth in the Middle East as well. Apparently, it operates as a significant hub for both sales and re-exports. Uh, so very, very interesting. In terms of the top products, just generally for beauty, what's trending there? Uh, this probably comes as a surprise to no one, but Huda Beauty, which is owned by influencer Huda Katan, is one of the most popular. So she's actually of Iraqi descent, but she previously lived in Dubai. She's now based in the States, but her skincare and makeup were very heavily represented in pretty much all of the Sephora's that I walked into. Other brands that are popular there are Anastasia Beverly Hills and also Tarte. Uh, So the key categories in the skincare market in the UAE are are things like body care, then uh, hair removal, facial care, hand care, and makeup remover. So facial care was actually the largest category in 2021, but makeup uh, is expected to gain the most market share uh, sort of going forward between 2021 to 2026. Uh, and I think based on what I would what I saw, I think that's probably spot on. That was globaldata.com reporting that. Uh, And just to sort of round out my analysis, I wanted to check what some of the top trends had been there uh, lately as well. So obviously all the same sort of TikTok stuff, they are seeing that as well. TikTok is pretty global at this stage uh, and, you know, those trends seem to move around quite quickly. So all of the TikTok stuff is sort of the same. But one of the local newspapers, the Collège Times, was reporting about the top beauty trends in Dubai in 2022. And there are a lot of matchups between what is trending in K-beauty and just beauty more generally globally. Uh, so pure and natural ingredients, for example. People are looking for environmental, uh, environmentally friendly products, personalized beauty care, all of these keywords that we are seeing here as well. Uh, some interesting ones. So natural is beautiful. Apparently more people are sporting things like gray hair. I must say, I don't know if I saw that much gray hair, but I definitely saw a whole lot of people that seem to do a whole lot of filler. (laughs) So I don't know if that is uh, maybe changed this year, but certainly I saw a lot of people that had had cosmetic enhancements, very visible, very over plump lips seem to be very popular among certain of the... uh, 
expat groups, let's say. (laughs) Uh, Traditional skincare was apparently also one of the top beauty trends in 2022 uh, and people looking for permanent rather than short-term solutions, so for things like hair loss. And then another big one is convenience. And I must say I had the opportunity to try out Dubai's convenience and I am shocked to say that Dubai is potentially even more convenient than Korea. I never thought I would say that. Uh, But when it comes to things like online delivery, they literally blow any other country I've seen out of the water. Uh, And I'll give you an example. I actually ordered some stuff on one of the delivery apps. uh, And it wasn't urgent, but I just thought, oh, you know, if it gets here in the next couple of days, that would be nice. The man was on my door within two hours. Literally two hours from me pressing the buy button, that guy was on my door and I ordered some new, uh, some other stuff just to see if it was a fluke. And I'm not kidding. The shortest uh, delivery time was an hour, <laughs> literally an hour from clicking something on my phone. And then there was someone literally knocking on my door to deliver it. So convenience, I think, is just on a whole different scale in Dubai. Obviously, it's a, a fairly small Um, space that it takes up but even still I was really really blown away by that now I'll put a couple of caveats on my uh, observations and I think the most obvious one is number one I was a tourist so I do not know the local market there anywhere near as well as someone that's been living there for a while and the other big thing is I don't speak or read Arabic so all of this is just stuff that I picked up sort of from walking around uh, from looking into what I could find online And admittedly, a lot of these are very reliable sources. Cosmetics Design Asia, for example, I've worked with them before. They know what they're talking about. They tend to interview a lot of experts and whatnot. So I'm not doubting any of the information necessarily, but it's not exactly the same thing as being able to research it in the native language which unfortunately I can't do. Now, I did have some help doing that with um, Saudi Arabia from an Arabic speaker. Uh, So for that, I did. But having not visited Saudi myself, I want to save that. Um, I don't have any immediate plans to go there because this year, honestly, I am already going to run out of time with all of the, the trips and expos and things that I have to do. But that was what I saw. I thought that some of you might find that a little bit interesting just as a counterpoint to maybe what is going on. But also the fact that so many of the top trends really are global. Things like the focus on personalized beauty, environmentally friendly products, uh, natural ingredients, which are pure and natural, I guess that's code for clean beauty. All of these things are very much global beauty trends. So I think in that sense, it makes uh, sense to me that K-beauty is now, you know, in an upward growth uh, trajectory because it does tick a lot of these things that people are obviously looking for. Uh, So I hope that you found that a little bit useful. Uh, If there is anyone tuning in from Dubai, I would love to hear from you. Let me know if you have, I guess, anything else to add, anything else to share. That would be really helpful just for me to understand too, especially because I'm going back later in the year to do this beauty expo. Uh, So I'm really keen to make sure it's a success, make sure it's a good experience. I am really keen to go back and check everything out. I was very impressed by everything I saw, and I'm especially looking forward to going back when it's not as hot because I was melting. I I mentioned at the beginning that I took over like
like so many different skincare products and it's kind of lucky I did because my skin kind of didn't know what to do with itself. It had a little bit of a hard time adjusting. Uh, So I think by the end I was sort of getting the hang of it but I will be happy to go back when it's not like a furnace and actually be able to walk around outside because you couldn't really walk around outside uh, during the day. It was a bit unpleasant. You kind of had to wait till the sun went down. Uh, But anyway, I digress. That was my uh, report on what I saw and I'm going to finish it up there for this week. I will be back in your ears next week. And until then, please stay subscribed and I will see you on Style Story. 